Thank you for downloading this podcast of Andy's Movie Mashup from GFM 107.1. For rights reasons, the music has been removed, so it's just me talking. Enjoy. Oh, that was a good cue. Uh, That was the wonderful Radiohead with the possibly more wonderful Karma Police. Welcome to another Movie Mashup on GFM 107.1. On this week's show, going to be talking about Red Sparrow. Uh, These are all movies that came out this year. So they're on, available on DVD and Blu-ray now. Uh, Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence, directed by Francis Lawrence. Uh, Gringo with David Olewo, uh, also with uh, Joel Edgerton and Charlize Theron. And a movie called Lean on Pete, directed by David Haig, who made 45 years, a couple of years back, that I talked about on this show. Uh, that stars Steve Buscemi, uh, nominally... Um, Chloe Savini, Steve Zahn in a sort of supporting role. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's an odd, old selection this week. I'd call it a bit of a rum selection with a good one thrown in, but you'll have to figure out which, which one the good one is. Also, we're looking at uh, movies that are on TV this weekend. What's on local venues? DVD picks. Um, that's about it, really. I haven't been to the cinema for ages, so it's all on DVD and Blu-ray this week. Uh, okay, so let's crack on with the track. This is Al Green with Tired of Being Alone. This is from the soundtrack to a movie, Chef. I think I may have peaked too early. He says, looking through uh, playlist and thinks, oh no, I haven't. Um, okay, so that was uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, that is from the soundtrack to Kill Your Friends, which is a movie from a couple of years ago with Nicholas Holt. Before that was Al Green, Tired of Being Alone. That's from Chef. And actually, Karma Police that um, kicked off the show is also from Kill Your Friends because it's got a really good soundtrack and those are two that I picked out from it. No doubt I'll play some more later in the year or whenever, 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 that, whenever that film comes up again in the listings. Okay, so first movie this week is called Red Sparrow. It's a 2018 American spy thriller film directed by Francis Lawrence and written by Justin Hayth based on the 2013 novel of the same name by Jason Matthews. And the film stars Jennifer Lawrence, Joel Edgerton, Matthias Schoenartz, Charlotte Rampling, Mary Louise Parker and Jeremy Irons. And it tells the story of a Russian intelligence officer who is sent to make contact with a CIA agent in the hope of discovering the identity of a mole. So Matthews, who wrote the book, is a former member of the CIA. He advised on the production on the depiction of spying based on historic Soviet espionage and contemporary Russian use of kompromat. Filming took place in Hungary, Slovakia and Austria and Jennifer Lawrence studied with the New York City Ballet to prepare for her performance. That will become clear why that is so. So the plot is Jennifer Lawrence is a ballet dancer in Moscow. She dances for the, I think, the Bolshoi. You know, she's like um, peak, peak talent, um, probably at the peak of her powers. She has an accident at which point her uncle, who's played by Matthias Schoenartz, who is high up in the um, KGB, he offers her a whole new start with her life. A whole new start to her life. Uh, and that is to become uh, the, a Red Sparrow, which uh, essentially is um, a spy who seduces uh, spies from the op- opposing side, or maybe even from the same side, using um, NLP-type techniques 
and seduction techniques in order to get information from them. So rather than, you know, torture or money, they offer something else entirely. Um, that's essentially the plot. So, you know, she is uh, essentially blackmailed into it, I would say, because she's living in a grace and favour apartment in Moscow that's paid for by the Bolshoi. Her mum lives there as well, played by Jolie Richardson. And they're threatened with eviction, and her uncle says, well, I can just make that go away if you come and work for me. So, you know, that is basically the plot. Uh, in amongst all of that, there's Joel Edgerton's CIA agent, who's uh, actually the first character that we meet. Uh, he has been... Uh, a Russian mole has been passing him secrets. Uh, he, tries to, he is trying to protect the identity of that mole. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you who that is, because I do know, maybe. Um... Uh, and the KGB decide they want to find out what he's up to, and the CIA want to try and... Uh, well, actually, they're not that keen initially, but they, they sort of get turned around to the idea that maybe they can turn Jennifer Lawrence's character and get her to give them information. So that is, you know, that's how it goes. Um, I think on paper, this would be something that I would be very interested in. I think all of the lead players are very good, uh, I think the story is interesting because this, stu- this sort of stuff does go on um, quite a lot, apparently. Um, however, the execution and also the script are not very good. So uh, th- I think tonally this movie jerked between you know, spying scenes that were actually quite interesting. It jerked between that and high melodrama exploitation uh sort of um exploitation of nudity and torture and those kinds of things um it's very long it's like two and a half hours long um it repeats itself an awful lot i don't think that any of the players in this i I think they've all done better work elsewhere um i think that it's sometimes good it's mostly bad and it's occasionally terrible so I, I watched it all. Um, my wife walked out of it uh, towards the end because there's a scene of torture that's quite nasty. Um, I sat through that, although it wasn't very pleasant. Uh, I just thought that it did, this movie didn't know what it wanted, wanted to be. And because of that, it compromised on all fronts, maybe except for the lurid torture and the exploitation of nudity, that kind of thing. On all other fronts... It's a, it's a bit of a failure, I think. Uh, it had a budget of $69 million and took 151.5, which isn't that good, really. Um, so I think that Jennifer Lawrence, I think everybody's done better work, uh, particularly Jeremy Irons, who is uh, laughably terrible in this. Not good at all. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 47%. With the consensus reading, Red Sparrow aims for a smart, sexy spy thriller, but Jennifer Lawrence's committed performance isn't enough to compensate for thin characters and a convoluted story. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I think, she, yeah, they say, they say committed. I say she's done better work elsewhere. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's rated 15 if you're interested. Maybe you're not. Maybe you should just watch the Hunger Games again. Oh, that was the rather wonderfully named Combi Christ. Yes, really, with a track called Age of Mutation. Um, I, 
I think despite not actually liking music like that, I rather enjoyed that. Um, and before that was a track called Wish by an artist called Vika. Uh, don't say this show isn't eclectic. Um, they are both from the soundtrack to a movie called Red Sparrow that I talked about just before that. Okay, so next movie this week is a film called Gringo. It's a 2018 American crime comedy film directed by Nash Edgerton, brother of Joel Edgerton, written by Anthony Tambakis and Matthew Stone. And the film stars David Oileowo, Charlize Thron, who also produced Joel Edgerton, uh, Amanda Seyfried, Tandy Newton and Charlotte Copley, and follows a mild-mannered businessman, played by David Oileowo, who is sent to Mexico to deliver an experimental marijuana pill. When he is kidnapped by the drug cartel, he must escape alongside a hired mercenary. So, this came out this year, uh, in March. Um, it is... So, the plot is, yes, David Olewo is, you know, struggling uh, Nigerian immigrant to the United States. He is struggling to sort of get on within the pharmaceutical company that he works for. He's been promised promotion. He's been promised various things by Joel Edgerton um, and Charlie's Thron, uh, none of which has so far materialised, but he, they keep on kind of, you know, sort of uh, carrot treatment to keep him interested uh, because they feel that he's quite easily led and they might be able to use him for something like the thing that they're going to do now, which is go to Mexico and get up to no good. Um, he's along for the ride, but he gets into trouble um, and has to try and find his way out of it. Uh, and along the way, Joel Legerton dispatches his brother, played by Shoto Copley, who is um, working in uh, Tahiti on an earthquake site and uh, appears to be like a... Um, former special forces type person as well so he goes in there to try and help um there's also a plot line with amanda seafried and her useless english boyfriend british english boyfriend that doesn't really make any sense other than giving a role to amanda seafried and her useless english boyfriend um i think that this movie is a bit of a mess so it is fairly long let's have a look at the running time uh, I didn't find the running time to be particularly welcome. It's an hour and 50 minutes. Um, it has several plot lines all running at the same time, none of which really seem to be all that interesting. So you've got the corporate skullduggery of um, Joel Edgerton and Char Charlie Thron. You've got the um, gringo on the lamb in Mexico, David Oleowo. You've got the useless... English boyfriend and Amanda Seyfried, also in Mexico. Uh, you've got Charlotte Copley. You've also got another plot line with a Mexican uh, mercenary who may or may not be a good guy. Um, I think the problem is is that none of these things really amount to very much, and that actually, maybe the only interesting plot line there is the one of David Olewo getting um, kidnapped and Charlotte Copley going to rescue him. That could have turned into a nice buddy comedy film that would have been a nice lean 90 minutes as they try and negotiate their way out of Mexico. That would have been amusing. Uh, that's not to say that this doesn't have its moments, because it does. Um, I think Charlie Swan is particularly unpleasant in this film. I don't mean unpleasant as a person, but her character is incredibly unpleasant. She's very funny, 
and Scabarus. Um, so, you know, the performances, I think, uh, of the principals are decent. It's just that the film is all over the place. And that, yeah, that's a shame, I think, because this could have been something quite amusing uh, and, uh, you know, a bit leaner, I would say. Which, you know, and, and I think um, it's good to see David Lelio leading a film like this. It's just a shame that it's not a better movie. Never mind. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 39% with the consensus reading. It rounds up a bafflingly overqualified cast for a misfire of a comedy that's fatally undermined by its messy plot, poorly conceived characters and obvious debts to better films. Yeah, a better film, for example, would be Midnight Run with uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, which is, you know, for me, I think the businessman on the run being caught by bounty hunter type thing, that's the granddaddy of all of those things, and the, the litmus test that you must undergo in order to decide if your film is worthy, this film is not worthy. It's rated 15, if you're interested. Oh, I love that. That was, <laughs> that was Molotov with a track called Rastamandita. That is uh, from the soundtrack to Gringo. And before that was Will Smith with Getting Jiggy With It. That is also from Gringo. Um, okay, so final movie this week is a film called Lean On Pete. It's a 2017 British drama film written and directed by Andrew Haig, based on the novel of the same name by Willie Vlautin. It stars Charlie Plummer, Chloe Savini, Travis Fimmel and Steve Buscemi with a very much a supporting role for Steve... Oh, blimey. I've forgotten his name already. I, I mentioned his name earlier. Steve Zahn, that's it. Um, and it follows a 15-year-old boy who begins to work at a stable and befriends an ailing racehorse called Lean on Pete. It was screened in the main competition section of the 74th Venice International Film Festival where it won the Marcello Mastriani Award for Best Young Actor or Actress by Charlie Plummer. It was released uh, over here in April this year. I'm oh, sorry, May this year by Curzon. Um, so, Andrew Haig, whose previous feature was a movie called 45 Years that I talked about on this show and liked a great deal. Um, this is his second uh, feature film, I think. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, but I certainly think it might be... Yes, I think it is. Um, it's a couple of hours long. It's set in the United States, uh, in uh, initially in Oregon. Um, and it's about Charlie, who's a teen living with his single father, played by Travis Fimmel, finds work caring for an ageing racehorse named Lean on Pete. When he learns that Pete may be bound for slaughter, the two embark on an odyssey across the new American frontier, in search of a place called home. He's nominally going back to his aunts. That's, that's, so this is, this is a story about a young man who is, um, you know, he's quite damaged. He's struggling to get on in the world. Um, he meets up with Steve Buscemi's horse trainer and Chloe Savini. And he starts working for him, sort of earning a few dollars here and there, mucking out the horses and helping out at the stables. Uh, but when he learns, indeed, that, that Lean on Pete might be going to the knacker's yard, he decides to take direct action and do something about that. So it's about their travels across um, the Midwest of the United States, um, where he's heading for somewhere, and he meets up with various people. And I was, I was just thinking, actually, as I was listening to the two tracks before, 
talking about Lean on Pete, what, what this movie reminds me of very strongly, and it suddenly struck me what it is, um, is that it reminds me very strongly of the work of Robert Altman. And that's quite high praise, because Altman, you know, is sort of um, one of my favourite filmmakers. And the reason for that is, is that Andrew Haig, I think very wisely, um, because, because of the, the, the vast American wilderness, not wilderness, but the, you know, the scenery, he chooses to shoot most of this film with quite long lenses, or at least keeps the camera away from the principles. Uh, so there, there are occasional sort of medium shots. There's no real close-ups in this film. And there are occasionally <coughs> scenes when we don't really see what's happened because the camera is so far away. And that, uh, that's, a, that's a, a technique that Altman employed throughout, sorry, Altman, employed throughout his filming career, even on stuff like uh, Gosford Park. Um, and that gives, you, that gives the movie a kind of uh, a reality, uh, a sort of heightened reality, because you are, you are kind of an observer to what's going on. You're standing back and you're watching it, and you're making, a, you're making your mind about what might be happening um, and what's going through people's minds, because the close-up isn't there to give you an idea. Um, and that's a really interesting technique to employ I think it's not one that many filmmakers use these days because it's quite hard to achieve but I think Andrew Haig who I think did a great job with uh, 45 years has achieved it here um, I found this film to be very you know to, to be very affecting I think that it's it's quite slow it's a little bit plodding in places but it is <coughs> I think um, emotionally engaging and quite powerful um, particularly the central performance, uh, Charlie Plummer's central performance is is quite something. Um, you know, he manages to convey the obvious um, inner turmoil of a teen coupled with other stuff that's going on in his life. Um, and, you know, his reasons for absconding with this horse seem to be perfectly rational. Although we, of course, fear for his safety. Um and along the way, he, <coughs> excuse me, he meets you know, people who, who help him out because he seems to be in dire straits. I really like this. I think that it may not be for everyone. It may be a little bit too languid for, for some viewers. But I thought it was terrific. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 92%, which says that it avoids mawkish melodrama, offering an empathetic yet clear-eyed portrayal of a young man at a crossroads that confirms Charlie Plummer as a major talent. Um, and it's again rated 15. So um, Brian Tellerico of RogerEbert.com said he marvelled at the humanist depth of the world Hay creates, one that can only be rendered by a truly great writer and director working near the top of his game. Yeah, that's true. There is a very humanist depth to this film. That's very interesting. Um, good supporting cast too. Steve Buscemi's great. Um, Steve Zahn in a very small sporting role Chloe Savini and Travis Fimmel who's an actor that I have seen in a couple of things before I know he's in or was in Amazon TV's The Vikings or Vikings which I <coughs> personally couldn't get on with um, but there we go so Lean on Pete uh, is good check it out uh, yeah okay let's, let's take, a look, take a look at DVD picks so these are things that are out now or will be out on Monday. So we have uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, 
which I think was okay. It's in no way as any anyway as good as the first movie, uh, but uh, it occasionally has moments of of goodness, of greatness. Um, so that's out. Also, Unsane with Claire Foy is out on DVD and Blu-ray. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Journeyman, uh, written and directed by Paddy Considine. That's a boxing movie, which I do like a boxing movie. Uh, Wonderstruck is out. That's supposed to be very good. Um, yeah, that's the list this week. It's actually a pretty good week. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast from GFM 107.1. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Cockers underscore 97 and on my Facebook page, which is Andy's Movie Mashup.